Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. And today we're continuing our journey through the month of October with a bit of a spooky comedy written by playwright Don Goodrum. It's called Ignatius Fliver and the Eye of Cthulhu. You're about to meet our hero, Ignatius Fliver himself, along with his two adventuring companions, Bex and Kit Maroney. They've recently come into possession of a mystical gem known only as the Eye of Cthulhu, and they have instructions to give it to no one, especially not the Adamite Order of the Ancient Dawn. Will Ignatius triumph? Will the world be saved? Will they be betrayed from within? Let's tune in to find out. Here we go. Perfect. And make sure you stick around after the story for an interview with the writer, Don Goodrum. Now... Gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Ignatius Fliver and the Eye of Cthulhu, written by Don Goodrum and performed by Rob Smith, Marion Thibodeau, Adam Cowart, and Jonathan Cook. You're tuned in to Ghost Light Radio Theater. Previously on The Adventures of Ignatius Fliver. Exhausted after a long year of fighting evil wherever they found it, intrepid adventurer Ignatius Fliver and his faithful companions Bex Maroney and her intellectual brother Kit had decided to enjoy a brief respite at the new Kali Puja Spa in the city of Titwala in the Maharashtra region of India. Unaware the place was a front for a massive Kali cult of assassins trying to topple the British Empire, Ignatius and his friends fought their way through the assassins and deadly cultists to save the day for queen and country. And while our hero confessed he didn't find the holiday terribly relaxing, the couscous was excellent. Hurry, let's get inside. By all the gods of hell and haberdashery, tis not a fit night out for man nor beast. Well, it certainly is one hell of a night, Ignatius, but what do you know about haberdashery? You wear the same thing practically every day. Yes, but I wear it well, Bex, and that's what matters. Achoo! What matters? What matters is that I'm wetter than a fish. Besides, Ignatius, didn't I once hear you tell Lord Cumberbund that you'd personally shot every piece of clothing you owned? An exaggeration, Kit, my old chum. Actually, I've only shot most of my own clothes. I do have several comfortable pairs of woolen socks that were given to me by my mum. Throckmorton! Throckmorton! Where the blazes is that blasted butler? Ah, there you are. I beg your pardon, sir, but this estate is quite large and I am quite old. I can no longer sprint from end to end at your beck and call as I once did. How was the opera? Dull as dishwater, old horse. Why, if it weren't for the cult of Kali trying to murder the Duke of Ilsenfinger backstage during the second act, I might have simply died of boredom. It was a good fight, though, eh, Bex? Oh, you know, I'm not as big a fan of the fisticuffs as you are, darling, but I dare say it got the blood pumping. Of course, I did ruin my nails. What did you think, brother dear? Hmm? Oh, yes, the opera. Hmm. I suppose it was fine. There was a fat lady, was there not? 
I understand the opera isn't over until the fat lady sings, or something like that. <laughs> That's what I love about you, Kit. Here we are in 1875, a world of marvels poised on the cusp of the 20th century. Yet you are completely obtuse about everything, up to and including the nose on your face. Throckmorton, why are you standing there covered in wet outwear? Hang those wet coats up to dry somewhere and bring us some brandy, will you? The good stuff from the private stock in my study. You do remember, sir, that your study is on the far side of this extremely large house. Yes. What difference does that make? Apparently none at all, sir. Never mind. Forget I mentioned it. I'll be right back. Eventually. What's the matter with you tonight, Kit? You've gathered enough wool to make a whole room full of sweaters. Yes, what's the matter, old boy? Did the Oxford cricket team lose a match? <laughs> uh, did the faculty dining hall run out of toad in the hole? Don't make fun of me right now, Ignatius, please. I can't bear it. What is it? <gasps> Have you heard something from Mum? No, no, it's... Well, you may know me as an inventor, Ignatius. I came up with your rapid-repeating pistols and your grappling gear. And an excellent job you did on them, Kit. On all my equipment. What are you on about? I wasn't always an inventor, you see. Before I surrendered to the siren call of engineering, I dabbled in many other scientific disciplines. Astronomy, physics, mysticism. Mysticism? Is that really a thing? I, I thought the occult was just something confident men use to rob little old ladies of their knitting money. Most of the time that's true, old girl. But sometimes I... I spent a summer with some fellows in Paris, crawling amongst the catacombs, reading through the crumbling pages of ancient scrolls and grimoires. Most of it is just a bunch of flapdoodle, but some of it frightened me, Bex, frightened me right out of my wits. Well, then, there's nothing to worry about, old chum. You only use half your wits anyway, so obviously you had a few to spare. That's not the point. I left mysticism behind after Paris. There were powers and forces being manipulated in those places that break the laws of both physics and common decency. And I ran straight for the tidy order of my machines and never left them again. But I did stay friends with one of those fellows, Phineas. Dr. Phineas Philpot. He holds the chair of arcane sciences at the University of Edinburgh. We correspond from time to time, and I built the occasional device for him. Regardless, he wrote me several weeks ago that he'd been contacted by a group the Adamite Order of the Ancient Dawn, and he believed they were on the verge of stepping through the veil and into the ethereal plane. Wow, that's astounding. Not that he understood a word of it, of course. I'm a man of action, not of intellect, but the sheer fact that you could string together all those words without laughing or choking is truly remarkable. Ignatius, please. Go on, Kit. What's happened? I last heard from Phineas two weeks ago. And two days ago, I got word from a mutual friend. Phineas has disappeared. <gasps> oh, no. Disappeared, you say? Well, that story turned out to be a bit of a damp squib, now, didn't it? Uh, sorry for your loss and all that, old boy. Let me know, will you, when and where they're holding the wake, and I'll gladly quaff a keg or two in his honor. Speaking of a keg... Throckmorton! Where in the bloody hell is that brandy? Ignatius... How dare you be so cold-hearted? We've no proof Dr. Philpot is dead. Oh, nonsense. There's only three reasons for a man to go missing in this day and age. To escape the wife, to escape his creditors, or because he is dead. Kit, is Dr. Philpot married? No. 
Well, no surprise there, but I had to ask. You understand. Is he an inveterate gambler? Is he in debt? No, he does quite well with the university, and his parents left him quite a tidy sum. He's fairly well off. Excellent. Well, if we do find him alive, we'll have to ask him to finance one of our adventures. Now, if he's not married and he's not in debt, what does that leave? Dead. Precisely. But that's not the end of the story, old man. Just today, I received this rather unusual package in the post. It was postmarked two days before he went missing. Your... your brandy, sir. Ah, very good. Uh, Put them on the table. So, the plot thickens, little brother. Have you looked inside it yet? Yes, what's inside, my old horseshoe? Tortured love letters? Photos? Money? Ooh, if it's money, I say we divide it up between us and say no more about it. No, not money, my friend, but something very valuable all the same. Voila! Ooh, how lovely. That must be the largest emerald I've ever seen. Yes, it is. Throckmorton, bring me my axe. Your axe? Whatever for? Well, if we're going to split this rather large gemstone three ways, we need to cut it up with something. Uh, Throckmorton, on second thought, forget the axe and bring me a large hammer. No, we can't cut it up. There was a note inside as well. It says, Kit, my dear friend, this package contains the Eye of Cthulhu. Please protect it with your life. The fate of the world, maybe all the worlds, depends on it. Your devoted servant, Phineas. What? Is that it? Uh, A real friend would have at least included a couple of quid to make it worth your while. Crass, really. Ignatius, please. I do believe I heard of this Cthulhu chap before. Yes, I believe I have as well. Uh, This Cthulhu fellow, he's a Persian, isn't he? Runs the Teamsters at the docks? No, Ignatius. Cthulhu is the dread lord of the cosmos. The great and powerful harbinger of evil as predicted in the ancient texts. That would have been my second guess. But what do we do, chums? We are in sole and secret possession of an evil gem that this Adamite Order of the Ancient Dawn will obviously want back, and we can't let them have it. Yes, but what do we do with it? Well, Miss Maroney, you could just give it to me. Oh, my God! (laughs) Rockmorton, I asked you for a hammer, not a pistol. No, I'm afraid if you're no longer able to follow the most simple instructions, I will have no choice but to terminate your employment. Throckmorton, what's the meaning of this? The meaning, my young fool, is that I am the leader of the Adamite Order of the Ancient Dawn. We knew that the eye had been found and it had been delivered to that idiot Philpot. Philpot was protected by the ancient runes surrounding the university. But we knew that if threatened, he'd immediately surrender the eye and send it to his good friend, Professor Kit Maroney, brother to the intrepid Bex Maroney and faithful beloved of the reckless adventurer Ignatius Forever who I just so happened to have been employed by for the last 30 years. But that makes no sense. If you had the eye already, why did you give it to Phineas? Why didn't you just keep it? Because I wanted my revenge. Revenge against you, Ignatius Fliver. Revenge? But why, Throckmorton? I've been a wonderful employer. I have always treated you like family. Like family? Like family? When my wife was dying and I wanted nothing more than to stay at her bedside, you 
You sent me off to London to have your whip rebraided. And by the time I returned, she was dead. Well, it was a very expensive whip. And when I informed you of my desire to retire and leave your service, you refused to even consider it. I thought you were joking. You are, without doubt, the most vainglorious, puffed-up, self-righteous, narcissistic, entitled, stupid man I have ever had the displeasure to know. Hey, I am not stupid. But you are. You're also selfish, self-serving, self-centered, sexist. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Racist. Oh, come on. This is colonial England in the 19th century. We're all racist. And I can't wait to be done with all of you. Once I pull this trigger and in your sorry lives, 50 of my order of the ancient dawn acolytes will storm this building. And once I pry the eye of Cthulhu out of Mr. Moroni's cold, dead fingers will join me in a sacred ritual to tear down the wall between the worlds and in mankind and its relentless, class-divided, misbegotten existence for all time. Prepare to die, Ignatius Fliver. Now, you wait a second. Everything you say, well, it may be true. I may be entitled and, uh... Sexist? Uh, racist. All right, all right, you made your point. I may be all those things. I may even be stupid, but I'm still more smarter than you. <laughs> more smarter? How is that possible? I've thwarted you at every turn. I'm your superior in every way. <laughs> at least I'm smart enough to remember that the gun you pulled from that drawer, <laughs> it doesn't have any bullets in it. What? <laughs> Victory! Ignatius, that was bloody brilliant. Were there really no bullets in that gun? Of course not. See? <laughs> well, uh, he didn't know that. But what are we going to do about the ancient on acolytes who still want the eye? Kit, the three of us have stared death in the face a thousand times. We faced death at the hands of the cargo cult of the Sargasso. We stared oblivion in the eye in the diamond mines of the Serengeti. And we laughed in the face of danger in that leather bar in Trinidad. What do we have to fear from the acolytes of the ancient dawn? Now, come, my friends. Let us once more journey into the dark night of the soul and face the cold hands of the Grim Reaper and the minions of Cthulhu singing all the while, for we know we shall be victorious. And somebody bring me my hammer. Next time on... The Avengers of Ignatius Fleva. Invasion of the Puffer People. Ignatius and his friends defend Japan from an onslaught of vicious mer-people while making the world safe for sushi chefs everywhere for years to come. Tune in and make sure you have your Dakota ring set and ready to receive the new secret message from Ignatius himself. Coming your way next time on... The Avengers of Ignatius Fleva. That was Ignatius Fliver in the Eye of Cthulhu, an original production written by Don Goodrum. It was performed by Rob Smith, Marion Thibodeau, Adam Cowart, and Jonathan Cook. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. Additional music provided by A Time of Shadows. Joining us now is the writer of this story, 
Florida bass playwright, Don Goodrum. How are you, good sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm living the dream, man. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about this play you wrote, Ignatius Fliver and the Eye of Cthulhu. It's got comedy. It's got these over-the-top characters. And it's got this connection to the Lovecraft mythos, which personally I'm a huge fan of. So give us some of your author notes, you know, a little insight, maybe a little, what inspired your brain to create this story? Yeah, well, I mean, first you have to go back um, to somewhere in the 80s, actually. Uh, I've always been uh, an artist, and and when I got started, my, my one of my early dreams was to draw comic books for a living. Oh, and nice. so I was, I was always coming up with different stories and different ideas. And I, my, my artistic style didn't quite fit in with what Marvel and DC were doing at the time. So I was trying to break in on the indie level, the ground level comics of the, of the 80s, 70s and 80s. And, uh, and I came up with a character called Ignatius Fliver Time Cop or Ignatius Fliver Time Patrol, I think is what the, what the official title of it was. And he was, basically, he was basically a guy who traveled the time stream. He was a chrononaut or a chronocop. And he traveled the time stream. And I had this idea where he went way back in, in, the, in the past, back during the, the plague. He saved this girl, wound up taking him with him on this long series of adventures. And finally, they make it back to his time where they're going to live happily ever after. And she has a bad reaction to the air quality of the future and you know, she dies in his arms. It was going to be very tragic. Um, I maybe drew like, as, as with a lot of the ideas I came up with back then, I may basically probably drew like maybe two pages on it before I got caught up in the next idea, the next thing. But, um, but I sat on the name. I love the name. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, and then, you know, coming on along, there's a, um, a, uh, science fiction and fantasy convention down in South Florida called Necronomicon. And they had put out a call. I'm sure you, you saw from the same sources that I saw. Uh, they had put out a call for Lovecraft themed, uh, you know, plays for their, for their little one act plays festival, right. divine madness. And I had submitted one last year and I, I had sent that one to you as well. When we were first started talking about Lovecraft um, and, and, you know, because of COVID and everything else, they just really couldn't do anything with that one, but they, it, it started a dialogue and they invited me to, to, to resubmit it and come back in. So I said, well, what can I do? What's, what's something that'll, that'll work simply and, and not get too much in terms of, uh, you know, special effects and other stuff. And just from somewhere out of the ether, Ignatius Fliver came back knocking on my door, <laughs> you know, and Ignatius Fliver and, and HP Lovecraft, you know, combined with, my my love of uh, Indiana Jones and uh, Alan Quartermain. There you go. Yeah, the Alan, the Alan Quartermain stories. But anyway, my love of those stories and uh, H. Ryder Haggard and all that other stuff came back in. And it just all sort of boomed together, you know, and, 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 and turned out and spat out this story. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, my my imagination's on fire with it that I that I'm already planning a couple sequels. So nice. Know. I was going to ask you yeah. about that. That's good. And Ignatius Fliver is such a catchy name. I'm glad that you yeah. stuck with it. <laughs> well, and just you know, and Bex and and Kit, you know, for the supporting cast members and everything else. I just, I, I yeah, I'm really inspired by by the by character by the character names if nothing else. But right. I really think there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to go in a lot of places. To yeah. Take and stories. and when I first read the script, you know, it had these fun characters, and uh, as I was hearing them talk in my head, 
uh, it reminded me of this vintage time when people literally gathered around a radio and kind of listened to their favorite uh, their favorite broadcast sure. of an adventure series. And uh, and and I remember in one of our one of our first emails, I asked you, you know, uh, I told you I kind of wanted to recreate that old old style radio sound quality. Right, right. And I'm so glad that you recalled that idea and you even came up with this extra intro and outro and it worked so well. And Good. I've been wanting to do an episode like this for a while now. Well, I'm happy to oblige. Yeah. And, and the, the way the play is written, it actually flows like a single episode to a bigger ongoing series. And that's kind of what gave me the idea to ask you about that. Yeah, which which would really be a cool a cool thing to do. You know, if you could if you could compose it in a way where it's either a series of, of 10 and 20 minute plays or one long, you know, full length adventure. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, there would be so there would be some nice, uh, you know, some nice direction you could give it in that regard, which would be fun to play with. Awesome. So you do have some plans to revisit these characters, whether it be on stage or in audio format again, because I know any yeah. audience would love to see these guys again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I, I've just got to sit down I, I, and, and, you know, try to come up with something that's not aping what I've already done. I mean, right, gotta, exactly. You know, uh, I've got to come off and, I, and I've got to find another story that's going to be entertaining, but at the same time, original, so that it's just not, you know, it's not clones of itself going forward. I know you've written a lot of plays over the years. And so this is kind of what's going on with you now. You have a couple of productions coming up. So let us know where, you know, this is your time to kind of plug whatever you want. Where can people see the next Don Goodrum play at a theater near them? What do you got going on? Well, Annie and Franny go to a bar, which is the sequel to Annie and Franny go to a mall, uh, is coming up on the Open Door Playhouse around... Yeah, 20-something, that last week of October. Um, and then Annie and Franny go to the mall is finally coming. It's already been podcast by these guys once, but they're finally, now that the theater's back open, um, the Lakeshore players down in Lakeshore, Florida, are going to be doing a version of that as well. Um, and then, I don't know. I'm not one of those guys, mainly because I, my life seems to be, I have a choice. I can either write or I can submit things and send things out. You know, and so uh, I get way too caught up in writing and and not in getting the work out there enough. So. Yeah, I know that feeling so well. So, but you, this story that people heard, Ignatius Fliver, this one goes on stage this month, right? At the oh yeah, the uh, the Necronomicon guys did pick it up for mm -hmm. for uh, their Divine Madness, and it will go up. Sorry, I completely forgot about that one. Um, but it will it will go up. Uh, I believe there's a there's a performance or two right around Halloween, and then it's got some run dates in November. And will this be the premiere of this stage version? Yeah, it'll be the oh, premiere nice. of the stage version, okay. which is which is extremely similar to what you've got. But we did make some changes to make yours more more audio friendly. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah. uh, thank you, man. I, I really look forward. I hope that we can collaborate again in the future. I, man, I do too. I'm, I'm seriously, uh, I, I, I would not be surprised at all if, uh, if this particular production did not inspire me to go forth and, uh, and, and find out what Ignatius and Bex and Kit are up to next. Yes, for sure. That's always the plan. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. All right, man. Take care. Thank you all so much for joining us. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce a stage play version of the story you've heard today, send an email to gatherbythegostlight at gmail.com to get connected with the playwright. 
And if you're looking for a way to further support this podcast, please visit the link in the show notes to our Patreon page. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghostlight on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we gather by the Ghostlight. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.